I figured I would spend some time going through uh, a brief text in Luke chapter 23, where uh, we are actually uh, viewing Jesus uh, as he is crucified, uh, along with uh, with a couple of criminals on each of his side. And uh, hopefully today we'll be able to apply uh, a little bit of what we read here uh, to our own uh, situation. So I'm going to start Luke 23, verse 35, and I'm going to read to, uh, to verse 43. <clears throat> and the people stood by watching, but the rulers scoffed at Jesus, saying, He saved others, let him save himself, if he is the Christ of God, the Chosen One. And the soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal, but the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. End of reading. Uh, so I have a five-year-old uh, son, recently just turned five, um, and I'm fairly convinced that he is uh, still uh, working out what, you know, people refer to as the terrible twos, because uh, as cute as he is, and he is cute, uh, he is also a tyrant that believes that he is sovereign over the, the affairs of my home. Uh, he is constantly walking around uh, giving commands to his two older brothers, to his mother, to myself, uh, and he hasn't figured out yet that uh, when he makes commands of us, uh, that it doesn't get him very far. It's still something that he is uh, constantly <laughs> trying to do. Uh, I'm hoping that he gets past that at some point, uh, so, so pray with me about that. Uh, but, uh, but he believes he's sovereign. He believes that he has a right and, uh, and uh, is entitled to whatever he wants at any given moment. And, uh, and the truth is, um, each one of us, I think naturally comes to God that way too. Um, we think that he is supposed to act uh, a certain way, give us certain comforts, and eventually uh, take us to heaven, uh, regardless of how we ask or what we do here. And, uh, and yet as normal, as typical as it is, um, I'm going to assert that, that really that's the root of our problem with God, our expectations of him. Uh, rather than, than submitting to him as God, we expect him to submit to us as God. And of course, uh, that, that doesn't work out well. That attitude is, is actually deadly. So, so if you look at the text uh, that I just, just read, it's pretty clear that at the cross of Christ, what we're really seeing is a contrast in two different kinds of people. And it might even be, be fair to say, that in some sense, the two criminals represented next to Jesus really represent all of humanity and humanity's response uh, to Jesus. Uh, they are, after all, uh, two uh, sinners, guilty in the same situation, 
both being confronted with the person of Jesus Christ, but they have two very different sets of expectations when coming to Jesus Christ. So uh, the first criminal's expectations that you read about in the passage um, are obviously false. Uh, He's hanging on a cross for a crime he has committed. He must have heard what people are saying about Christ's uh, power and abilities. I mean, he knows something of them because Luke tells us that he says, aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. Now, now, if you were just to take those words in isolation, just the words themselves, that's actually like, that's not a, that's not a bad uh, statement. Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. If he, could, if he was saying it in a, different, uh, in a different sense, that wouldn't be, those wouldn't be bad words. But, but Luke tells us right before that, that uh, he, is, he is railing at Jesus. And the way you could translate that word railing is, is actually blaspheming Jesus. So, so this is not said in a way that is acknowledging Jesus as Lord and Savior, that he needs him. But this is a way of almost uh, being condescending and sneering at Jesus. And what he's really saying in this passage is, I deserve to be saved. I deserved to be saved. You see, that, that's his expectation. That's his presumption when it comes to his relationship to God. God, you owe me. You owe me. Now, uh, I think the truth is we've all been this guy at one time or another. When a person uh, has this sort of expectation of God, this sense of entitlement, uh, you'll tend to find sort of three Uh, characteristics that are connected to it that you see with this man. First of all, you see that he doesn't revere God. Uh, There's there's no reverence. Obviously, he's blaspheming the name of God. He doesn't see God as holy or almighty, uh, who gives breath and takes away breath. Uh, This guy lives under the illusion that he is at the center of the universe, that he is in control. Uh, Second, uh, he takes no account of his sin. I mean, I, I, I have to tell you, I've talked to many, many people as I've uh, walked the streets of New York City over the last year and a half to meet people, to gather people for the church I'm planting. I've met, met a number of people that are really quite angry with God, uh, especially those who don't believe in him. Uh, those who will all, all, all the time say that they do not believe tend to get the most angry when you actually talk about spiritual things or talk about God's existence. Uh, But with a person that's in this place that's not taking any account of their sin as this criminal is, this criminal doesn't seem to notice that he's up there for a real reason, uh, it's easy just to blame God for his situation, and that's what he does. So instead of taking the responsibility for himself and saying, you know, I I deserve what I'm getting here, or I'm being condemned for a crime, it's, well, God, why don't you help me? Why don't you save me from this? And that's, that's a very common attitude that we naturally bring to God that we will struggle with for the rest of our life. We can get there very easily. Uh, and, then, and then a third characteristic that you see from this man is really you see God as a genie. I mean, you see God as somebody that is going, that, that needs to serve your needs right now. And if he doesn't serve your needs, then... You go, well, what kind of God are you anyway? You're not doing what I want. You're not doing what I desire. So you're not worth my time and you're not worth my worship. And, uh, and according to the scriptures, 
all throughout, this is, this is just who we are naturally. This is what human beings are naturally. We come to God that way. We, if he doesn't live up to the expectations, then it wouldn't be far-fetched that we would find ourselves railing at him just like this criminal does. So, aren't you the Christ? Save yourself enough. That's the, the first person comes to God with all sorts of expectations, false expectations. Uh, but then there's the second criminal's true expectations. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you fear God, or do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Now, now this man hanging on the cross next to Jesus is in the same exact situation for the same crime that the other man committed. But you see the difference is expectations. The difference is the heart that he speaks to Jesus with. He has almost the exact opposite response to Jesus that his friend does. He does revere God. Do you not fear God, he says to his friend. Do you not recognize who you're talking to and who you're held accountable to ultimately? In this man's mind, God is holy, at least by now. His power is to be respected. And because of this, he does account for his sin. We are under the same sentence of condemnation. And what does he say? And we indeed justly, we're receiving the due reward of our deeds. You see, uh, when someone fears God, they, they don't try and put on airs as if they are better or more righteous than others. Uh, far from it. Uh, rather, the person who fears God is, frankly, brutally honest about their sin. They own up to their sin. The expectation of this sort of person actually, far from being salvation, is actually condemnation. They feel like they are worthy of judgment for their failures. Because, after all, if God is holy, and if he is just, as he just said, then they must deserve nothing less. And yet, and yet, the beauty is that you're only left with what this criminal is left with at the end. You say, God is holy, I fear him, and I know I deserve condemnation, so all I can do is plead desperately for mercy. God is not a genie in this situation, there to hand out spiritual goods and services, but he is Lord of heaven and earth, and this Lord demands purity, and the only request one may have coming before him, the only basis one may have in speaking to him is his mercy. And so he says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. It's a plea. It's not a demand. He merely requests, please remember me, hopeful that Jesus will deliver And of course, the result is, he does deliver. Anytime, anytime someone comes to Jesus Christ asking for mercy, he will deliver. Truly, I say to you, criminal. Today you will be with me in paradise. Yes, to you who come trusting in his mercy, flinging yourself upon his mercy, Jesus Christ gives you his word of promise, his life-giving, faith-creating word of promise. 
For you, he promises perfection, paradise, eternal life in heaven forever. It's a guarantee for all who come pleading for mercy. Now, uh, let me wrap this up. Uh, you might be watching this right now coming from the perspective of the first criminal. Uh, maybe you've been uh, railing at God. Whether you've been a Christian or whether you're not a Christian, we're all, we all can get here. We all can find ourselves wanting to rail at God because of false expectations. And maybe, maybe you're wondering um, if, like the first criminal, uh, or if, like the second criminal we heard about here, if there's still time for God to be merciful to you. Well, in Matthew's version of this story, uh, we find out something interesting. In chapter 27, verse 44, we're told that initially, when the crucifixion happened, that actually both criminals were railing at Jesus. Both of them were. But apparently, as Luke reports, one came to his senses, as uh, the, the parable of the prodigal son would tell it. The son comes to his senses. Well, one of the criminals sees Jesus and, 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 and says, yes, this is, this is the real deal. Jesus is who he said he was. And he's the only possible way of escape and salvation for me. And so my point in saying this is no matter what kinds of railings and blasphemies you may have uttered towards God, it's never too late to repent and plead for mercy. Never. You can, you can do it right now. It's not tough. It really is just saying, I'm sorry, forgive me. And the promise of Scripture is that he'll declare to you the same thing that he declared to this criminal, that one day, yes, you will be with him in paradise. 